we're back to veering all over the place. At least we learn Francis shirks his laundry duties because he has a serious case of man flu. And remote worker Jeff is allowed his one hour of human interaction per week. But we capped it at 57 minutes because I couldn't take it anymore. This is Above the Fold. And welcome, everyone, again to the uh, Above the Fold podcast. Um, I want to also get another shout out to uh, Sarah Cugini for doing our intros. Um, always funny, always biting. Um, makes Jeff and mine uh, life a little bit easier on the podcast. So uh, thank you. And um, you're very, very mean. But that's part of the uh, that's part of the allure. Um, I think we <laughs> actually think we kind of need to expand that role a little bit. Yeah. Like, we may need to talk her into coming on the podcast and just give us live put downs. <laughs> like she has, she we has need 30 a, seconds. We need guard. <laughs> dude, we need guardrails. You know, we need guardrails. Oh, absolutely. We absolutely need guardrails. And yeah. like having Cugini come in here for 30 seconds just to like, nope, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Blah, blah, that would, that would work. I mean, just. <laughs> That's the thing. Is she's, she's just as good live as recorded. Yeah. And, and you she know doesn't what? need, she doesn't need any production work. She's just like that. <laughs> It happens every day anyway. Let's just bring it in. It's just part of our lives, I, man. I worked for her for four years. She's going to be as straight shooter as you're going to get. And you're going to get it quick, man. She's sharp. Absolutely. Absolutely. So big thanks to uh, Cugini. Um, and that will bring us into confession session at Above the Fold. Um, I cheated on Jeff Baker. I was yeah. I was on another yeah, podcast did. earlier this week. I recorded it. And we were talking about video marketing. And I was on a podcast without Jeff. Jeff, I'm, I'm, I am sorry. That I, I hope it was worth it. I don't know if it was. I hope it was good. <laughs> it was. I laughed. Dinner. We had a lot of fun yeah. together. Um, we talked, we talked about movies. Oh. I mentioned, we ended up oh. talking about Fast and the Furious. If you talked about Top Gun, I'm unplugging this mic. <laughs> <and> I'm jumping <laughs> out. <laughs> we didn't. Hey, hey, Mav. Hey, Mav. Uh, no, we did not talk about Top Gun. I can say that <laughs> I may, I will say I maybe referenced the fact that we talk about Top you got Gun. an extra life <laughs> burn through two of them. You got one, one left. Um, but I am sorry. I will, I will say, um, once it's out, I'll, I'll promote it obviously, but we were talking about video marketing and, um, you know, they, they, we only had room for one. So I, I jumped in there. I was thinking about you the whole I time. I was sitting at home <laughs> on my fourth glass of wine <laughs> Dinner was ready four hours ago. Again, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. It's even no, more, it's even more appropriate. We're having this recording on Valentine's Day. It feels like will, this is actually. I will say you you did you did text and you did yeah. tell tell me you felt guilty. So I, I will give you that. Yeah. However, I, I almost feel like because I know you were brainstorming mm-hmm. uh, for it yeah. and like prepping for it. I almost felt like. You were kind of uh, asking me for advice and a little bit of a little bit of help. Were you kind of in? Were you trying to sneak that in there? Was that your intent when I was talking to you beforehand? I, yeah, yeah. No, were you, were you looking for any like? Okay, all right. Because I wasn't going to give it to you. I didn't want it anyway. Just, I just, wanted just I, to be clear. I wanted to be good on the show. Why would I? Ask, why would I ask for your advice if I wanted to be good on the show? <laughs> Ah. Oh boy, you are right. I we guess, are a shit I show. guess I could have just asked, "Hey Jeff, how could I bomb on this thing? Can you just tell me, give me some pointers? How do I uh, how do I ruin this guy's episode of this podcast?" Um, you could have uh, just listened to any of my old takes. <laughs> oh, which reminds me, we just get a highlight reel going. <laughs> we've referenced this in the past about how this all got started and whatever. Do we have footage of that video that we did? 
Because I don't know if the other one, oh, really, the original, the original one, one where, content coffee? where this was going to be a oh. video, a weekly video thing. It was you and me on, 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 on tape. And we scrapped it because you and I were just awful on camera, especially with the lights and everything. All, right. <laughs> All right. We need, there's a lot to unpack here and the audience needs to know. So we, we didn't know we were going to create a podcast. Mm. We were just going to, we were just filming. We we're actually filming two of us awkwardly, awkwardly sitting around a table, talking to each other about marketing topics with an iPhone. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot the phone was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it did have a microphone attachment. That's right. It. So, I mean, we, that's right. We really invested in it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so that there's that part. And then the two of us on camera, it's just like, no, it, yeah, oh, it, bad. We got to find just, it. Just bad. We got to find it. It's so like, it, if anything, it gave us this, so I'll always be thankful. It's like the bad relationship you have before the good one. I'm, I'm thankful for yeah. it. I don't want to look at it again, but I'm, I'm glad it brought me here. But I, I kind of want to see it. I, I, it's been so long. It's been like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> painful. Yeah, yeah. I, well, the thing is, like, I'm uh, when it comes to podcasting, I'm like, I'm like the catfish of podcasting. It's like, <laughs> oh man, it all it all sounds good on paper, you know, like on the online profile. Yeah. When you put me on TV, it's like, oh Jesus, yeah. no, that's not. <laughs> you don't. Bu- Dude, get back in your cave, Not that dude. guy. Come on. Take him off. Um, yeah. So anyway, again, open apology that I cheated on you. Um, I will make it up. And uh, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have as much fun. So I'll say that. Can I say that? Will that make you feel better? Uh, you know what? Actually, I can be bribed with alcohol. <laughs> very easily, so you call, call it, call it two minutes. Call it two McAllen's, and I think All we're right, set. Fair, fair. I'm, I'm assuming two bottles in, of McAllen okay. is what you're talking about. Not I'm easy. <laughs> well, no, but if if that's on the menu, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> um, veering completely off of that because we have no natural segue. Um, you got mad at something else. I guess that is a segue. You were just about you being mad. Um, you got mad because someone was trying to uh, <laughs> to, to worm their way into enough. your data. I was in a I was in a weird mental state yesterday. I, I went from an extreme high to an extreme low to elation. I don't know. I, I think I've got some issues going on. So let me let me just let me let me back let me back us through this. Okay. So first uh, in the morning, you know how when you connect uh, when you connect any sort of app to uh, Gmail, like if if you want to sign in through Gmail, right, make, they'll say yeah. uh, X and X company wants to access your blah 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 yeah. your Google account, and it lists all the things that it wants to access. You've seen that before, right? Absolutely. And I, I mean, it's, I get it. It's just easier. And now I don't have to deal with a sign in or whatever. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, it's like transparency. So yeah. anytime you connect your account in Gmail, uh, it'll tell you exactly what they're going to look at and what access they have. Um, I was connecting to a major email marketing uh, company. And it says XYZ company wants to access your Google account. And here's the list of things that they want to do. One. Read, compose, send, and permanently delete all your email from Gmail. <laughs> Two, see and download all of your Google Drive files. Three, see, edit, download, and permanently delete your contacts. <laughs> Four, see, edit, create, and delete your spreadsheets. Five, see, edit, share, and permanently delete all of the calendars you can access in Google Calendar. Six, what am I on? Six? How's my counter? <laughs> Six. View and manage search console data for your verified websites. And seven, manage the list of sites and domains you control. <laughs> it's like the God key. This sounds like a, this sounds like an ex-girlfriend, basically. It's like, you're going to do that? Fine. I can get in complete access off of everything and deleting 
your digital life. That is scary, man. Like <laughs> it sounds it sounds like a mistake. It sounds like these things were it sounds like this was a bug. But I messaged the company and they're like, um, no, look at the FAQ section. This is this should answer all your questions. Like, no, this does not answer any of my questions. Why do you need all this? I have so many other this questions. Is, this is not just big data, yeah. this is enormous data. Yeah. Wow. That is um I'm yeah. terrified. It's funny and terrifying all at once. So you definitely had a weird you definitely had a weird day yesterday. I'm sorry you went through that. It's so awful that we went from the uh, the, the the show last time that was so informative with, with Nadia to this one that is absolutely a waste of time so far. Um, I'm glad that we've been able to do both. <laughs> right, back on, right back on track. We've learned absolutely nothing, nothing from Nadia. We've learned sorry. nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, all right. With that, let's try to attempt topic number one. Topic one comes from a Forbes article, and the headline for this article is 2019 content marketing trends say goodbye to big data and hello to big ideas. Big thing here is that a lot of companies, a lot of brands have spent a lot of time talking about getting all the data, getting big data, using that data to inform, to be able to um, you know, know more about their audience, engage with them, and so on. In the wake of the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal, um, there's a question as to should you be positioning yourself as having all the data? And this is kind of, again, maybe I'm, I'm poking the bear here to get you angry again, Jeff, but basically it's kind of saying, hey, man, do we, <laughs> do we even want to talk about having all the data? Why, why is that a good thing? And is, is, do we have to kind of reposition it? Well, like you said earlier before the podcast, this was like a bragging point a few years ago. Mm-hmm. How much data can we collect? You know, like we are, we are a big data company that houses everything. I was like, all right. More data, better advertising, all that crap, right? But now it's almost like a, I don't know, it's like a scarlet letter. If you're one of those companies that collects all that data, it's almost like, well, you've collected too much data. Um, and do you see that uh, Germany slapped an antitrust suit on Facebook? <laughs> you mentioned that. Collecting too much data? Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. And it's I. It's a fair, I mean, it's, it seems like we keep inching, it's inching towards something. And that something is basically Facebook just, you know, going up in flames or, you know, falling off a cliff, whatever analogy you want. But the, uh, it seems yeah. like we're going toward that because you're, you're right. I mean, you have, we, we, everyone bragged about having all this data and then you have to wonder at this point, why are we doing that anymore? It's every other article is about you know, a, bre- a data breach or, you know, everyone's just shocked at how much Facebook knows. Yeah. Um, it seems bad. It's, I think it's just a pendulum. Like we, we swung from the direction of not really having much marketing data at all, mm-hmm. like direct mail and all that. And then the internet comes along and all of a sudden it's hot to have as much data as possible, you know, like uh, Target does and to target people as, as much as possible. And now it's swinging back. Like, wait, that's, that's too much. So I I think it's just balancing, really. So the interesting thing, though, is that how, I mean, you can't completely reposition it because data is important and you have to make the argument that this is how we know how to engage with your audience. We know who they are. And I've said that a lot. You can't do this until you know not only who you are as a brand and the voice and tone that matter to you, but who are you talking to? And being able to do that means. No, there's a balance. Ah, there's, There's a balance, though. I mean, you should know your target audience. You should know what they're into, what their, you know, what their age is, how they feel about having families, if they have a family, that kind of thing, general, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to know, like Target did, you don't need to know to the day when somebody is, uh, 
conceived <laughs> when, when somebody is looking to get pregnant, which is what they did. You're right. They yeah. were able to predict trends and they know when people are getting pregnant and then they would market to them uh, baby products, child, child products. Um, that is too much, right? I mean, we don't need that. We don't. And people did not like that. They, they very, very quickly said, no, thank you. And get out of my house, Target. Um, I, I remember the flyers yeah. that would come out like, how do they know everything that I buy? Um, to, did they hit you too? It seemed did like, because it was subtle, remember? Yeah. Like it was, cause it was ba- at the time it was like uh, baby stuff and dog food video games and electronics. And it was like, I, yeah, I would buy all, why, why this is like, was tailor made for me somehow. And, um, clearly they're, they're enticing me to go to target. And to be fair, you don't really have to entice us to go to target. If anything, that kind of like, uh, I don't know if I want to go to target right now. Uh, what else do they know about me in that store? Am I going to walk in there and be like, we know what you did two years ago. <laughs> this this yeah. is the thing you were like looking a, for. Here you go. It's like a casino. It's like they, yeah. they're tracking. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's too much, right? Yeah. So I, I think everyone's, I don't I don't think there's a whole lot more to talk about this because I think everybody's just pretty much on the same page. They want a little bit more privacy and they they want to know what data people are taking. That's it. I think that's the, that's the solution. And that's basically what Germany was saying is just tell us what data you're taking and what you're going to do with it. And then we can make a decision on whether or not we want to give that to you. Simple. I think the question though is how do you, how, how then as a brand do you present yourself? Like um, we have data, everyone knows you have data, but what are you going to do with it? And that's the kind of the point of the article, the, you know, go say goodbye to big ideas. I'm sorry, big data and say hello to big ideas. The, the point was that instead of focusing on the data, you're focusing on what you're going to do with it or how you're going to engage the audience or what is your creative idea going forward and not focusing so much on look at all these piles of numbers that I have in my hand. Mm. I don't understand your question. <laughs> it's I'm sorry. Because I, just, it was pr- I just kind of, I was thinking about Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. I, I completely zoned out. <laughs> I was really, I was thinking about all those mismatched pizza slices. It's just so gross. Sorry. No, I mean, I was, I was talking about creative I got the attention stuff. Span and, you, know, like, I, you probably heard creative. And I was like, I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know what he's. I think that's what it I don't was. Know what he's talking just, about. He's talking crazy. Where's my you spreadsheet? You pepper my name into sentences more often. <laughs> um, data, Jeff. Data, yeah. Sorry. Basically, so how, all right, what does that balance sound like? You know, when you have all the data uh-huh. and you're trying to present it in such a way, how do you talk to your audience about it? What are you what are you going to say? Basically, you know, I have all this data has very much been the, the rallying cry, but they don't want to hear that anymore. You know, we've made that abundantly clear. The big thing is that it's got to be more about ideas. You know, how 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 this data will be used or, or what mm. they're going to do, do with it, how they move forward with it um, and so on. And I think that's that's what they're saying by taking it back to the basics, this article anyway, in 2019. Yeah. You know, if you have a great idea, that's what you sh- that's the thing you share as opposed to look at all these piles of numbers that we have. Right. Yeah. Just focus more on the actual product as opposed to Oh, what if what if the product is the data? Yeah, well, you know? I don't know. Like, what that's, if you've got yeah. what if what if you've got a company that, that literally sells data? <laughs> for advertising. <laughs> Maybe you know? just repackage it could, and call it a pizza and basically, hey, your uh, electronic <laughs> pizza is here. Oh, and uh, I, I mean, what is <laughs> is there a worse, is there really a worse place to be right now than somebody that is is collecting a bunch of people's data? I mean, you you are probably the most unpopular kid on the playground right now. 
<laughs> yeah, they're walking around with a notebook. So, how old are you? Um, oh, you like you like X Men comics too? That's awesome. Can we talk more about? That's like, no, awesome. man. Can, can I can I have access to all your contacts and the ability to delete all of them in your email? <laughs> whoa, whoa, that escalated quickly. No, yeah. none of those things. And how? None of those things are good things. How technology? How are you going to allow us to uh, to do that? I mean, can I actually yeah. erase all of Jeff's email? Because that would be hilarious. You walk, you wake up the next day and be like, "Oh, I have nothing in my inbox." I'm just Stone Age. This is amazing. Stone Age over here. <laughs> That's the last step. Beard. I got the beard, flannel, bow and arrow, and now I don't have electronics. <laughs> That's it. I've, I have, I have come full circle. <laughs> I have gra- I have graduated. <laughs> oh, and then it ends. All right, let's leave that alone. <laughs> and then it let's ends. uh let's move to uh let's move on to topic 2. <laughs> topic 2, you sent us uh, a couple hours ago, uh basically the state of remote work and this was a study or at least a survey, it looked like a survey about remote work, what it is, how it's part pretty much part of our culture now and what and and how people feel about it. Um how did you find this article? How fast did you read this, Jeff? And you're technically a remote worker yourself, are you not? I'm a hundred percent remote worker. Um, it's been about a year and a half or so, maybe maybe two years. I've been a hundred percent remote worker. Um, and this one was really interesting to me because so many people are talking about this. So many people are doing this, and if they don't want to do it, a lot of people want. Uh, if they're not doing it now, they really, really want to do it at some point in the future. I know people that are doing remote work. It's it's not just a trend; like it's it's becoming a, a major thing. So this was a, a survey that went out to twenty five hundred remote workers, and they asked them a whole bunch of questions. Um, and it's really really interesting. Um, let me let me just like back up. Uh, talk. Tell me a little bit about your experience working remote and working remote at this company. Like working from home is is a good starting point. Are you asking me or is this what the survey is? Yeah. Oh, you're asking me. No, no, no. You. Me yeah. Personally. Because okay. I, I think we need to get a conversation going about like, what is, what is remote working? Okay. Like, who does it? Why do they do it? What kind of companies can do it? It's still kind of like it's emerging, but it's still kind of a foreign concept. To a lot of people. I so for me, it's been, um, I, I guess if, if, if you have a scale, I am, I am mostly in the office. I do not have a, a schedule where I had something like, you know, every Tuesday or every Thursday, I I work from home. I pretty much work from home if needed. And that's more of a personal choice, um, as well as more of a a life sort of thing because of the kids. If um, like this week, one of my daughters was sick, it was easier. It was better for me to work from home because I was monitoring her fever and so on. Um, And I could still check email, attend some meetings, uh, had to move some things around, whatever, but I, I could do that. So I don't, I, I remote work, I guess, as on a, on a need, uh, at need basis. I don't have a set schedule for that at all. And my staff here has a variety of schedules. Some of them are 50-50, you know, half in the office, half not. Some of them have that schedule where it's one day a week. Um, so it kind of, it, it, there's a big variety. But for me personally, I am so mostly a, in the office. Yeah. So there is, there is a spectrum. And I, that's what this article mm. gets to, is that there's spectrum of people that are starting to work from home occasionally like you do yeah. uh, as needed either for getting stuff done or like you've got your kids that you need to take out in the middle of the day or something that otherwise you would never be able to do if you're just working a strict nine to five. And then you've got people on the other end of the spectrum should be like a full blown digital nomad, <laughs> which I, I'm kind of halfway there. Yeah. And that's people that really don't have a home base and they travel around and just work 
from wherever they end up, whether it be like an Airbnb or, um, you know, a, a group of other digital nomads. Um, that's the other end of the spectrum. But the thing is, like, your end of the spectrum is, is kind of pushing out further and further into the workplace where more workplaces are just starting little and letting people work remote mm-hmm. part of the time and then more of the time. And it's, it's really expanding into like a, a whole movement of, of thinking that's, that's both benefiting workers and, uh, and companies for that matter. How do you think this affects, and this actually is a direct question to you too, but how do you, how do you think this affects culture in terms of an organization or a company? Because right now, and maybe, maybe at this point I'm considered old school, I like interacting with people in the hall. I like running into them in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of nice ebb and flow where a problem can happen and then suddenly I'm talking to the person I need to and it happens because we just bumped into each other on the way to something else. Whereas in your in your world, Damn good point. you have to yes. somewhat schedule things or maybe it's a random yeah. chat somewhere in that point. And then, you know, it is you. It is you, your digital yourself and um, interacting with people almost at their convenience when they're able to kind of chat you back or email. Oh, yeah. It, we're going to talk through because we've got a lot of good stats in this article um, that we're going to relay to the audience here. But part of those are stats on all the drawbacks. And a few of them is a very real issue. It's they found people have issues with isolation and depression. Mm. And that is we're social animals. Like it's there is something to bumping into somebody at, uh, you know, over drinking coffee and just BSing about the weather. That's right. There is some value in that. And you're having like some sort of interaction and you really don't you don't get that when you work in remote. Like if you're working completely on your own and most of these people 84% work from home primarily, meaning they don't go out and like work from coffee shops a lot of the time, or they don't go to a, a shared workspace and just like kind of passively interact with people, you know, not, not working on the same projects, obviously, because they're not at the same company, but they're not even passively interacting with people, you know? So, and that's, that's a problem. And another problem is that the majority of these workers that work remote have unlimited vacation or very, very, uh, generous vacations, mm. but they only take like two to three weeks per year. Um, and that's like a big problem with unplugging. Uh, the biggest drawback to working remote, 22% of people say unplugging is a really hard part of it. Mm. Um, I, and it is because it's so much easier. You don't have to go and hop on a commute, right? Yeah. So I, I'll just, oh, yeah, screw it. I'll just, I'll just keep working. And you end up working a whole hell of a lot more. When no matter where you are, if you're working remote and you're not forced with, you know, going places, what you lose is that, um, you know, the 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. like beer at the end of the day where you're just saying, all right, day's, oh, yeah. day's over. I'm going to do whatever. Um, and I, 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 I miss that, too. It's tough. I got to say, that's got to be because like, you're right. You're always on. And if you're able to travel, which is great. You know, even figuring out the fact that you're technically always on because now you're in a different time zone and you have to be because the rest yeah. of the half of the office is still is still online. Um, did it say anything about how I mean, how is that getting rectified? Is that just something people deal with? Is that the trade off between like flexibility is crazy, but I have all these other drawbacks and there that's the balance. It's the it's the number one talked about thing, not just in forums or this uh, or this article. It's it's. Amongst people that work remote, it's the isolation. That's that's the biggest issue that people have to, to go through. And uh, there's there's ways around that. 
And uh, I feel like we're, we're painting too bad of a picture of it right now because <laughs> overwhelmingly, I, I don't know why we went there because overwhelmingly yeah. the stats and the sentiment towards it is very, very positive. I mean, they're fine. Businesses are finding people are more productive. Um, they are, they're finding that uh, mostly people in their twenties and thirties, mm. they say they value experiences more than things, you know, which I completely agree with. Recently I, I got rid of, the majority of my stuff, I sold just about everything I have and I have minimal everything. So I don't really need that stuff and I don't want to house it anywhere. I'd rather like have the time to go and do stuff and not be tied down to the lease and the car and all that crap. So that's a big positive too. Um, and like you mentioned traveling, 44% of the people surveyed have traveled and worked somewhere at the same time. So they've actually gone to another city uh, and worked there or another country and work there, which is a major, a major part of it too. So I think that's, uh, it's, I think it's pretty important that that needs to happen. So anybody getting into remote working, you have to find ways to get out there because you will become a hermit. I guarantee you'll become a hermit. <laughs> you're halfway. You know? I didn't even realize you sold that much stuff. You are half, you're more than halfway yeah. to hermit, man. Like it's, it's good. You are traveling. Cause if you're not, if you're going to be in one place and not have all that stuff, you would be a hermit. You know, you would just. Oh, yeah. Easily. <laughs> um, Especially living. And if you're living, you know, somewhere outside of a major city, yeah. the problem gets compounded, too. I guess. And you're right. We went negative. I don't know why. Maybe I helped lead it because I I am bad at it. That's the truth. I am bad at working from home because I get distracted or I, I will end up doing other stuff around the house. Like there have been times that, oh, I have five minutes. I'm going to yeah. throw that thing in the, I'm going to throw the wash in the laundry or I'm going to check on this. And it's, I get so unfocused. <laughs> well, some, some of it's learning it, how to do it properly. Mm. And some of it is just maybe some people shouldn't yeah. do it. I've seen other people do it and some people sure as hell should not be doing it. Uh, I, sure. I know one of our writers, um, his name is Nick and he's been with us for a long, long time. He's a full-time remote worker. And for him, yeah. he has he has a schedule. Like he's told me, like I have, you know, I got my work desk at home. Um, oh, yeah. I shut off basically at a certain time. I'm not going to be uh, on I mean, unless there's something crazy or he happened to come come on late. But he kind of knows that you know this is my schedule. I'm going to keep to it, and he knows to kind of cut himself off. And then it's it's you know Nick family time, Nick's personal time, and so on. Um, I, what I'm getting at is that the organization that you need, the the ability to kind of be able to schedule things on your own time and to adhere to it, is is impressive. Yeah. I Dude, I, I applaud everyone who can do it. I am bad at it. Oh well, it's it's mandatory, really, because you will you will develop really really bad habits in a very short period of time. I mean, anybody that works remote that's been doing it for at least a couple of years knows you have to have a schedule and you have to stick to it. So I mean, you have to you have to treat work like it's work. So if you're living with somebody and they say, oh, well, you're staying at home all day. Can you just do the laundry? The, abs- <laughs> the answer is an absolute no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, absolutely not. You have to treat the space that you've created, which you have to create for working, like you have to create an office area where you're in that mindset. You have to treat that as though you're in an office. Otherwise, you're going to lose track and you're going to start getting distracted and people are going to start distracting you and asking you to do things that are unwork related. Um, and it's, it's going to make you depressed. It's going to make you feel under, unproductive and you're not going to, it's not going to benefit your company. So, I mean, that's, that's crucial. That's point number one. Point number two is you have to get out there. Like 
it's easy to get done with work when you work from home and just be like, ah, I'm pooped mm. and lay on the couch. Yeah. You have to force yourself to go out and do stuff and meet people like you would do anyways. So it's, it's hard to do, but you have to find like events around to do, even if it's just like meeting a group of people to go to the bar and grab a drink or something. You know, that socializing is like an ingredient that you need to, to function. So, so if you're, if you're disorganized and antisocial, no way this works. You're just, it's going to oh. <laughs> God, no. Who are those people? Who's, they're, they're who's all, they're all in the office, man. Social. They're all in the office with me because we can't work from home. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man, I'm kidding. Um, um, <laughs> some other solutions that might be, I, I, I do want to paint uh, a positive picture of this because it really, really is a positive thing. 99% of the people surveyed want to work remote at some capacity for the rest of their career. That means not just like fully remote, but at some capacity. So doing what you're doing, maybe like once a week yeah. or twice a week, whatever. Anybody that anybody on that spectrum that we talk about, mm-hmm. 99% of them want to do that for the rest of their career. Um, and 95% of the people surveyed will encourage other people to work remote. Mm. So despite the fact that there are these drawbacks that are really, really important and need to be taken into consideration, people love it. Man. Um, so let's let's focus on the positive and let's let's consider the fact that right now it's, it's partly society's fault because society historically has taught us all you need the apartment or you need the house. You need the car lease. You know, you need to you need to be able to have a home camp in order to be a functioning member of society. Um, and that's not true at all anymore. And I think the other side of that is kind of what you're experiencing is the fact that you can travel. You can still work. You can still be productive. And the, the advantage is that you can go to a different bar in a different city, in a different country every month if you really wanted to. And that's, that's, yeah. that's intriguing, man. That's great. Like the fact that you could have, you could have a pub or a place in various places around the world. Um, that's yeah. awesome. And still have this job. Yeah. You know, I mean, Definitely. that's, I think that's the massive, that's the massive upside here. And the fact that that much freedom and that much travel and flexibility is absolutely key. Um, I also think being able to cut that off and then just have a, an actual vacation is also important because just because you get to work in another country doesn't really count oh, yeah. as a vacation. Um, well, you definitely got to separate the two things. Yes, yeah, which yeah. goes back that, to the fact of your. It goes back to our other. Yeah, exactly. It goes back to our other point. Um, and and you can. And there's ways to do this. So some of the people that are considering doing this, which is apparently most people, um, consider. Uh, living with somebody that does that. So oh, I've, I've done that. That makes sense. I live, I've lived, I live with somebody that works remote as well. Yeah. So you can have somebody to talk to. You've got a, a common lifestyle. You've got, um, you know, you're, you're renting a room mm-hmm. as opposed to an entire house to yourself. That means that money that you pocket, if you're able to do that, half the time you can go and travel somewhere. Mm. Um, which brings me to my next point. There's a, a shout out to this company, uh, Wi-Fi Tribe, who I've joined and it's, it's a group of remote workers and they're all doing everything that you and I and our audience do. They all work remote, uh, digital in some capacity, whether they're entrepreneurs or they're digital marketers or they're writers, they do all of these things. Um, and they've joined this community called Wi-Fi Tribe who have chapters all over the globe. Like they've got them in Europe, they've got them in South America, they've got them in Central America. I'm going down to Colombia for a month with Wi-Fi Tribe um, and I'm going to be working with these people. And it's just basically a, it's a, 
They provide the accommodations, and that's it. And they vet all the people to make sure there's no jerks in the group. <laughs> uh, if you've ever traveled with somebody that sucks, you want that vetting, man. You really want that vetting. So but, wait, wait. Uh, First question, yeah, these, how do they even yeah, yeah. allow you in if they had this jerk test? Because Really good at interviewing, <laughs> man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I should contact yeah, them at this point right? and be like, hey, hey, did you get the whole story about <laughs> Jeff? I'm a jerk baker because yeah. you should uh, you should hear a couple of things. <laughs> I had to hide the I had to hide the inner Thanos to get through the screening process. <laughs> uh, I also can't wait for the podcast from Colombia. And this feels like adult. Re- I don't know. It feels like the real world. You're going to join the real world, but not on TV. Yeah. But somehow still have the it's real like world a- experience. Um Maybe. Everybody lives together. Yeah, exactly. What if this was but the real working. world, like the actual TV show, and then they just they just scammed you into going on it? That would be amazing. <laughs> oh God, that would be great, <laughs> wouldn't it? What a great podcast topic! I'd record that. <laughs> uh, and you know, getting getting back to the stigma thing before, yeah. I think there was a stigma with people working. Uh, you know, having going into a nine to five that was like applauded and. Mm. Uh, working from home that could be seen as lazy or, or somebody working uh, at, at some destination could be seen as like a vacation. Um, not really. It's not a vacation. We're all going to be working our asses yeah. off on whatever it is that we're working yeah. on. Um, as a matter of fact, we'll probably be more productive because we're going to be around people that do similar things and you're taking care of yourself. And I think that's the whole point of this working remote thing is you're going to be more productive if you're able to have the time not in commute to take care of yourself and do the things that you need to do, whether it be exercise that would get overlooked from your commute, um, whether it be just able to take your kids to, you know, to, uh, to class at 10 o'clock or to the babysitter at 10 o'clock, whatever, you're going to be more whole as a person and you're going to be able to give more to your company that way. If you're able to do these things. I think, um, I think that's true. And I, what's really happening is that it's giving people an option to also have essentially the nine to five, but not have the nine to five culture, which when you think back, what, even what, 10, I don't know, 15 years ago, this was kind of like not even really possible. You know, technology wasn't where no. it was at now. Communication levels, not at the where it's at now. And if someone did work from home, you automatically had that stigma of, oh, why is it today? Oh, yeah. Why is it today, Jeff? Why do you have a dentist appointment today? And blah, blah, blah. What oh, are yeah. you really doing? Um, I think I think now it's way more possible and it allows people to have that flexibility. And as a parent, it's fantastic. Like I can't imagine having the old, you know, old fashioned nine to five and trying to be a parent in this day and age. Now, granted way back then you didn't have the internet, blah, blah, blah. But right now it's fantastic. The fact that I have that flexibility and I can do that, I can pick up the girls or whatever I have to bring them to gymnastics um, is great. Or I can stay at home if they have a fever. You know, these are all things that, that wasn't really possible. Um, so I think regardless of how we painted this initially, I think there's way more good than call it gray at this oh, point yeah. um, with remote work. There's there's way more good because I, I can't think of what does anybody get out of a out of a commute. Right. I mean, well, I, that's just dead time that you never get back. Oh, I mean, unless it's relaxing I mean, it's, to you. Yeah, I, I, I guess <laughs> from I mean, from personal you experience, I, I read more. I I, um, I mean, this is, I guess, because I have kids, but like, I, I don't have a lot of, um, just time where I just read. So I, I can read on the train yeah. I have about an hour each way. Um, but it's train and bus. So I have that. I listen to music. That's something I don't get to really do. Um, you know, when I'm at home, um, but whatever, I mean, it's, it's, 
even if it's quiet time, it's a good like queen? it's yeah. <laughs> it's a good blast queen on your Bose headphones. I, I just do that, basically. Um <laughs> I uh but it's it's good like almost even a weird meditation time. Like you have that you have that transition time from work to home. Whereas sometimes yeah. I can tell that because my wife, her commute's tiny. It's like, you know, five, ten minutes by car. And I can tell that some of the days, um, it'll be a rough day at the off, a rough day at school where she where she works. And she comes home and like the girls are going crazy and it's like there's not that much transition. And then you have you cut to me yeah. on the train. I'm listening to classical music. I'm reading a book. It's kind of unfair. Um, so I will say that it's not it's not ideal. There's plenty of bad that goes along with the commute. The homeless people that are taking up like 10, you know, seats and smells like cheese. That's in, that's a real thing that you have to deal with sometimes. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Any, any of our any of our uh, listeners from Bay Area can attest to that. <laughs> if anyone's ever rode on BART before. <laughs> Dude, how bad is uh, my how step, bad? stepfather, oh, I'll tell you how bad it is. My stepfather was uh, working with a guy that was on BART, just minding his, his own business, yeah. one of the most soft-spoken, nicest guys ever. Guy walked by with bolt cutters <laughs> and cracked him in the head. Whoa. I didn't see him for three days. He just showed up in a headband at work. He's like, oh, yeah, my skull got fractured on BART. The guy just hit me in the head with bolt cutters because he's a super sweet guy and he's not even mad about it. That's Bart, and we don't even blink an eye at that. When we read a story like that in the Bay Area, it's like, oh, yeah, Bart. Okay, first, I, I wasn't expecting that. Like, I was I was giggling in the beginning, <laughs> and then you hit me with, you, you hit me oh, with no, the no. bolt cut. It's like, wow. Oh, I hit you with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally hit you with Basically, the bolt cut. My mouth yeah. dropped. It's like, I, I'm not laughing anymore. God, it's awful. Oh, no, no. That's, that's, that's very common. People screaming at themselves, <laughs> at people. I mean, in close quarters, uh, not a whole lot of hygiene. It from the train perspective or the humans on riding it perspective, <laughs> hot, stinky, old, too expensive. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, that's a pass for me, man. Yeah. That alone should Hard prove pass. why, Hard why, uh, why, why remote working is uh, so, so ideal. Uh, if, if you can at least avoid the BART or any public transportation experience, um, yeah. it sounds like a win. Well, here's, a, here's another point of it is the, the traveling aspect. I mentioned in the survey, 44% of people mm-hmm. traveled and worked at the same time. Um, actually, before this podcast, I put out a note to some of the people in the group asking them to sum up their experience of working remote yeah. in one sentence. And I got a couple good responses here. Rebecca said, having the flexibility to live and explore where you want without losing momentum in your career is the best part. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Emiliana yeah, Emiliana said, working remotely has allowed me to visit several new countries within two years that would have taken me 10 years at any nine to five job to accomplish. That is awesome. And I think it's, I think it's a huge disservice for people that want to travel the world and never get to. And they, and they have to do it within the confines of their whatever two-week vacation a year. And that's the one thing they have to look forward to every year is they're two weeks away. Um, I think everybody should be able to travel. So that's a, that's a huge benefit. I, I may, I maybe one last question and then we should probably move on, but out of curiosity was in this, in this survey was the idea of like the people having families involved in this, in this, in the conversation, because I, I only yeah. asked that because it seems oh, yeah, absolutely. me having the family and thinking about remote and travel, like I get the travel thing. Absolutely. But I, I can't even see how that's possible if I'm trying to work and travel traveling with two small children is work enough trying to do that and consider like, Oh, I got to answer that email from Jeff again, because whatever, um, seems down on it. Hey, easy. 
They're good emails. They're all high quality. <laughs> Uh, but they talked about families during this in the survey. They, they do, yeah. And that's one aspect of it is the tr- the traveler lifestyle, and that's that's more geared towards um, people that don't have families sure. that that don't have those responsibilities. It's just so much easier. But the other aspect is that companies are having more compassion and empathy uh, towards people that have normal people that have lives, yeah. you know, and they're they're recognizing, hey, it's it, it really doesn't make sense if you have the capability to work remote. To not let somebody uh, work at their pace, to work at their schedule, so that they can accommodate their daily lives. Yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta take your pet to the vet. Um, yeah, you should be able to do that without having to take four hours of PTO yeah. or sick time. And uh, more companies are, are having that empathy, and they're realizing that it's getting paid back and then some because these people take less vacations, which is kind of a downside, <laughs> and they take less. They work longer hours. So the companies are benefiting uh, and the people are benefiting too. And that's, uh, and we've adopted that. We have. Brafton, we have. They've, uh, they've got a very, it's across the spectrum. Yeah. I work fully remote. Some people work uh, remote a, a couple times a week. And as they move up the company, they get more options to work remote, which is awesome. Um, it's, it's, a, it's not just a, a trend. It really is a, a new understanding of, of how, uh, how we can work productively and getting rid of that stigma that says people that work remote, you know, they're just being lazier. They're, there's, um, you know, they're not being productive, which is completely false, which is what all the data is showing. I mean, to be honest, we only said that, we only said that about you as a joke. Like we didn't, you didn't have to take it so personally when we said you were lazy for working from home. Um, well, no, I was talking about people that is accurate (laughs) about me. I was just talking about like the whole, you know, the group, of people that I'm not representative yeah, of. No. They're productive. I'm just... <laughs> You're just living your truth. The yokel of the You're bone. You're just living out. your truth. Yeah, yeah. I, having a craft beer yeah, for lunch. Yeah. That's all that is. Um, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Uh, hey. Couple. All right. I'm not going to go there. Let's move. Love my craft Let's move beers. on to number three. So we touched on it a little bit in, in the second topic, but for the third topic, we're talking more about Silicon Valley Basically, Silicon Valley is either fantastic or it's on fire. It's just like the extremes. <laughs> There's no middle ground with Silicon Valley. <laughs> really? Oh, man. You watch the show Silicon Valley. I right? do. I think I, I do. Know. And it's, yeah. it's sometimes yeah, it actually, so close to home with some of like the other. Oh, yeah. Well, I live out here and I see it every I live in Silicon. Well, near Silicon Valley, but I've lived out there and it's it's pretty dead on. I mean, it's hyperbole, but. It's all based in truth. <laughs> so, I mean, you found this article on, on CNET and um, headline, I'll just read yeah. headline, Silicon Valley Index shows misery and triumph of the world's tech capital. Um, <laughs> soaring costs and soul-crushing commutes aren't stopping the economic engine. Um, so, again, extremes, absolute extremes. Everything is fantastic. Oh, yeah. the, the innovative world is here. Um, we're dealing with the BART, basically. <laughs> People are making money up the wazoo, and they're insanely depressed about it. That's what's going on. There's there's a horrible dichotomy of things happening out here. There's, it's weird. It's really really weird. I mean, so I guess from the outside, I mean, like you, I watch Silicon Valley, and obviously I hear stories from you. But does it feel that way? You know, when you're in there, when yeah. you're around there, the fact that like this is the this is the hub of where things are created, the next app or the next thing that. The next big IPO is going to be around the corner, um, and it, everyone feels like shit. It's all real. <laughs> it's all real. Uh, the commute, 
I told you about you when you're worried about bolt cutters hitting you in the head <laughs> while you're while you're on a urine train <laughs> uh, at six of the at six in the morning. There's nothing worse. That's all. That is real. The commute sucks, um, and the commutes are they're really bad. One of the stats in this article that that we looked at says up to now it's six point five percent of mega commuters are traveling. Three hours or more per day, and I was that guy. I was traveling like four hours wow. per day in my commute. That's re- yeah. So no, wait, that's, four hours, really. like this distance wise, how far were you from home to where you were going? That's the worst part. If it was a long distance and I was on like a smooth sure. train, like relax, that'd be yeah. awesome. No, I was on a damn bus. It was like a milk truck going about forty <laughs> miles over a period of <laughs> two and a half hours. Soul crushing. This is dead time. This is time I'll never get back in my life. Just anger still. Uh, I mean, there's a limit. I mean, I, I talked about my hour commute. I think that's probably a good like amount. And the fact that it's split up between like bus and, and subway helps in my in my regard. But anything be like beyond that, if I have to stay in one place for, you know, two and a half, three hours, I mean, that's that's like a trip. That's like a vacation. Well, not a vacation, but it's like a lo- long road trip every day that I have to endure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that. And then uh, everything that you see on Silicon Valley like the um, the asymmetrical gender ratio, that's real. I mean, when they say tech bros in San Francisco, believe it. That's the way it is. Uh, it, it it is like that. Um, what else we got? <laughs> we got the rising rent costs. Um, highest highest. Actually, there's a good quote in that article. Um, the uh, CEO of Joint Venture Silicon Valley, Russell Hancock, says, "We're a massively dysfunctional region." Pause. <laughs> We've got the worst transportation in the nation, and we're not doing a single thing about it. We've got the highest costs in the nation, and appears we're not. We don't seem to be doing anything about that either. And in 2018, more people actually left Silicon Valley than they came in. So we have we have people leaving as opposed to coming here, which obviously is a problem. But maybe it's a correction. I guess actually, that's a good point. A I mean, at some point, people yeah. do have to. I mean. Th- it takes Silicon Valley out of it. Just if you just throw these stats up about, you know, mega commutes and you know, granted there's innovation, but you're gonna have to travel. For, it does not sound enticing at all. You know, the fact that no, Silicon Valley hears that and gets crazy yeah, has essentially yeah. been branded as like this is the place to go where things happen. I mean, that I, that almost makes one think ah, maybe I can deal with a four hour commute if I'm gonna work for Google or whatever. Um, but it's also strange because going back to the idea of, of the innovative hub, you know. This is kind of like that scene in Swingers where the guy's saying, you're this bear with all these claws and you don't know how to kill the bunny. You don't know how to kill the bunny with all these claws. Um, I don't remember that scene. It's when they're talking at the bar about like, you know, he's so money, he doesn't even know it. Um, Oh, yeah. But the point, like they have every, all all the innovative minds are there and they can't fix transportation. The best idea is Elon Musk putting putting holes in the ground. To get to get under the highway, like they have. Oh, all you know what? Ideas. Damn it! What? They canceled plans of the hyperloop, or not the not the hyperloop. But we we signed into action like a, a long high speed train that's going to go from SF to LA. Yeah. They canceled that just just in the news recently. We're not doing the damn train. <laughs> what? What? There's there's more money here to do things with. And by the way, I think we were getting taxed on that for the last like fifteen years. Wow. Where did that I go? Don't know. I, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna leave it. Yeah, no, leave no we, it. we just don't, tapped don't old man rant. We just tapped an old man rant. Don't there about take it. the ba- Yeah, we did. 
Uh, but seriously, so, though, you guys have all these innovative you. minds, and you would think that if anyone's going to fix high cost of living and massively long commutes, all of you guys would be living in clouds right now and have your, all your own helicopters or, you know, jetpacks or something. Something would have been solved. Like, it's it's crazy that it's that much innovation in that area, and none of this is kind of getting fixed. Well, it's, pro- it's because the innovation is not going to good things. Innovation's going to uh, big data. Look at, okay, they're all tech. They're all tech companies. All right, all right, fair. Okay, so so point point to one of those innovations that came out of here, out of uh, my neck of yeah. the woods. That was good. That was actually societally good. Uh, Can you think of one? Drive. Was Uber count? Like maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess we can remove Facebook from that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Drop Google. Dropbox they, to an extent. They were, well, yeah, they're doing a real good society deed, really. It's very, <laughs> very brave, very noble. Google removed do, do no evil from their uh, mission Did statement. Did they really? So I guess they're wow. out. Wow. It's gone. Wow. Yeah. It's, they were, so they were born that. with that. They were, it's funny that it was in there in the, it's funny it was in there in the first well, place. Well, I mean, that's how they started. They basically said that's their rule. They wanted to do that because their whole purpose was like the whole world should, you should be able oh, to yeah, find not a rule information. Anymore. Wow. So officially. They, so they officially can be evil. <laughs> that's what they're saying. Wow. All right. Well, uh, it's just not a rule to not be evil. <laughs> it's, a gr- it's a gray area. <laughs> uh, I can neither confirm nor deny if we can be evil at all. <laughs> Um, <laughs> wait, going back to your question, there's got, I, I am hesitant. I'm trying to on, uh, Twitter, if I have to maybe weigh the scale, when you consider how many political movements have been like whatever with Twitter, I'd have to say maybe that could yeah. be something that could be a little bit more positive than negative, but whether or not, whether yeah, or not that you, helped like, you know, society in general, no, because just everything's still based on the internet. So uh, like we have, I guess the first thing you got to do is take off the, anything that's involved with the internet. Because you already got to consider people well, don't have to, access to the internet. Back to Twitter. I have you listened to a podcast with Joe Rogan and Jack Dorsey? No, I I try a Joe Rogan podcast. I can't get uh, it's it's too really? long, man. Oh, I just I, I put it on and all I think about is like I got to deal with Joe Rogan for two hours. Um, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Some of these interviews are getting really really good. And the one was with Jack Dorsey with with Twitter, yeah. and they've got. I don't. I wouldn't say that that's a, a good for society, really. I mean, on one hand, you've got you know, people can communicate easier, and you can you can get an idea out yeah. there. But on the other hand, you've got things like doxing. Yeah, that now you're right. And they've and they've created a, they've created these these feeds that feed you information that essentially are echo chambers. Mm. You know, they don't show other sides of things. So they take extreme ideas and make them super extreme. So I. I don't know. Maybe it's an idea for the future that might help us as a society, but I'm no veto. I'm vetoing. No, you're right. I mean, I was struggling. I was struggling. I'm absolutely struggling. And you're right. It's all, it's all black mirror and nothing is good. And we should all just kill the internet. That's exactly, that's all. That's the message that we're (laughs) saying right now. Um, We'll be out of a job, <laughs> but we'll be happier. And you'll get your we'll dream happier, of Jeff. throwing food at you me. Can, you can whittle yeah. to your heart's delight. We'll be happier. <laughs> sounds, sounds lovely. <laughs> you can live in the woods. It'll be, a, it'll be a grand experiment for you. It'll be great. <laughs> well, maybe there's some good to be. T- I think the point that I'm getting mm-hmm. at is like, and I'm, I'm not trying to go way too soft hearted because I am a businessman. But the point I'm trying to get at is most of the 
stuff that's coming out of Silicon Valley that's, that's raking in tons of money is like, it's mostly tech stuff that's to serve a purpose of making more money. Yeah. So you're asking why don't we, we've got all the innovators out here and we're not creating better transportation. The answer is there's no money in that. Mm. There's, the answer is that there's money in tech right now and that's the hot stuff. And unfortunately, most of these things that are being created in tech like aren't, aren't that. They aren't to bettering our, our lives specifically. So and may, maybe in an attempt to, to end this in a positive, positive, in a positive way, um, maybe the answer is that there's just someone's got to get to a level of, of, uh, of riches that they turn into Bill Gates and it turns not into like what I mean, because what basically what Bill Gates has done in his, you know, latter part of his life is that through this foundation, he is trying to make the world a better place. But he only got there because of the tech community. You know, he basically he had Microsoft and now he's got yeah. malaria nets in Africa. He's focusing on, you know, what is the problem we could eradicate right now? You know, and how can it? What's what's malaria net? Basically, he's trying. He's he found a way to uh, to get these nets over to Africa tamp down malaria like it's a it, it's, it's still a yeah. disease still a thing that's that's running rampant and, and big gates was figuring out that through funny enough through data and statistics if if this was focused on for a certain amount of time there's a possibility it could be eradicated like gates gates is big sure. on like how do i solve how do how do these problems get solved where should the money go and blah 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 um yeah and there's room for both just look at elon musk you love elon musk Tesla? what i mean I love me some Elon Musk. Absolutely. You realize since we last so talked about him, like, what is it? Like a half of Tesla. I'm exaggerating here, but people lost their jobs. He canceled a bunch of projects. I don't even know what's going on with the holes in uh, in L.A. anymore. Um, I think even uh, SpaceX yeah, has gotten like they're not. even. I, I don't know, man. It's been kind of negative for Elon Musk. But continue. Let's continue talking about how uh, how he's helping. Well, well now that you've played the conversation, <laughs> I I don't really think I've got anywhere to move. You painted me into a box here. I I think it goes back to that. You said this before about him, though. He's not. I don't care. I love you. On <laughs> don't care. Don't care. That's my answer. Don't care. He's a, he's he's he has the ideas. He's just not a business guy. Like he's not going to be thinking about right. I need to make money to make sure all these people have jobs so that they have the time to. Like he's not thinking about that. He's more about the engineer. Like. Could this happen? Because yeah. that would be cool if we could do that. And he made that point beyond the, on what I listened to on the Joe Rogan podcast. Like that's what his main thing was. Like I'm very focused on like, oh, is that can that happen? Let's see if that can happen. Um, as opposed to right, that's going to put us over budget by like you know quadrillion dollars. Maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the tough balance. Like where, where does a company fit into being doing creating good things? for people and for, for moving us forward and actually make money uh, like that sweet spot. Where does that exist? I can think of very few things that was, this was the example that I came up with and you just, I just, I just, just shat all, all over it. You're right. I, there's no, well, you shat over all, all the ideas I came up with the good that came out of Silicon Valley. So, which apparently nothing, I guess uh, honestly, it, it kind of depends on what your definition of is of make. Cause you can make money, but is it, how much money is enough? You know, where does it, where can you stop making a certain amount of money and say, now I'm going to focus on utilizing whatever extra money we go to God, then focusing on, you know, something else, create a foundation, yeah. do the malaria nets, do whatever. Getting, 
I know. We're getting we're getting dangerously close to politics here. <laughs> but it's dangerously but it's close. true. You can have that balance, but human nature will yeah. always dictate that yeah, I kinda want a little bit more. Or, you know, what else is possible? What else could I release? I don't know. I don't know if there's a balance that, that can exist. Um, maybe it happens in moments for a little bit and then it kind of evolves into something else. Um, regardless, I, I kind of going back to what we talked about in terms of remote work, I think there's more good than there is, you know, whatever. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, it's a, it's a good world and it's worth fighting for that. The, the, the ending of seven basically. And you, you, you agree with the last part. It's at least worth fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and on that point for every nine companies that are tech related and they add really no value to us, <laughs> that enables that one company to come out forward. Yeah. That does do something yeah. good. Like we wouldn't be able to do uh, to create these these robots that they're working on that can do surgeries, like super super uh, uh, targeted surgeries that a, a person couldn't do as efficiently or as accurately uh, without artificial intelligence and robotics and all that stuff that that may have had roots in you know something that was like a highly profitable business idea. You know, so I, I think I think it's like a, a collateral benefit. We get some good stuff to come out of this. So we just have to put up with, I guess, the Twitters and the Facebooks <laughs> in order to get some of the positive stuff. Oh, and with that, let's end it before we jump into another veering of AI. Since you mentioned AI and I didn't. Oh, no. totally did. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I did not even mean to do this. But you did. And I'm just going to mention it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump out real fast because I don't want to get into that but you're right um, <laughs> and let's just end it before I even say anything about you just drop that hot potato yeah, right it's there gone. You? it's nope. gone I'm not even going to touch it um, thank you to all the listeners <laughs> thank you for putting up with uh, us going all over the place and um, uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time mm-hmm.